podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to a special bonus edition of the Transfer Show because although the transfers are done, we are here to recap on the window and the good and the bad and the ugly of it. So of course I am joined for that particular adventure as I always am by Dave Davis. How are you my man? Yeah, surprise but happy to hear from you again mate. Looking forward to this bonus one. Yeah, it's nice to be able to do it with the manic anxiety gone off our shoulders and we can just talk and assess in a kind of cool fashion. You know, we don't have to worry about listeners throwing things at the devices that they're listening to us on because we're saying stuff they don't want to hear or we're quenching dreams or inflating optimism where they don't want to have any it, this is just all done deal stuff and i suppose the main reason for it and the reason you contacted me about doing it and rightly so is because we have a, a lot of new information we have a lot of context dave that help us understand especially some of the bigger liverpool stories which we're going to begin with obviously and none bigger than the on again, off again, drama uh, and anxiety that was Mo Salah and the flirtation that seemed to be going on um, from the Saudi League with him, um, very much amplified by Sky Sports and their ilk. And it didn't go away until it literally went away. We had to wait until the death before that constant uh, speculation around him. And you felt, Dave, a little bit generated deliberately generated speculation uh we had to wait until the very death before it went away but now we can actually relax and you know barring some lunatic bid from a turkish club i think we were safe to hold on to our superstar and it's a bit poignant dave just to to, to add one further thing into my intro here it's extra poignant i think because most of us in dealing with the reality of that saudi bid um, started to conceive of a future without Mo Salah and we get to have him for one more season. And I think in a weird way, man, it's going to make people appreciate what a wonderful, wonderful footballer he has been for Liverpool in a way that, oddly, perhaps they haven't until now. Yeah, I think you're completely right on that point, Trev. I think, maybe wrong, but there's almost a feeling amongst the majority of Reds, it seems, that this is probably going to be his last year. There seems to be that sentiment spreading. I'm sure you've clocked it as well. So people thinking, let's enjoy him finally. Like, where have you been for the last five years or so? But hey-ho. So, yeah, it's, we've talked about this on the, the pods for the last few weeks. And I know you said to me, like, Dave, give me some sort of reassurance. I said, you know, look what they're saying, what's coming out. To be honest, Trevor, at the start of this week, before 
the Thursday closure of the Saudi window at 10 o'clock. We were seeing things we didn't want to see, weren't we? So Fjortoff saying, you know, it, it is likely he's been told that Salah would depart Liverpool this week. Old, old Ape Hands Keys was up to his normal stuff as well. We kind of phased that out. But these little things, we, we didn't enjoy seeing it. And like you mentioned, Sky were in on this for the drama, the wind-upness, whatever you want to call it. So that wasn't particularly enjoyable either. But at the end of the day, it is pleasing to say... Mo Salah is still a Liverpool player. And there was some nice stuff just coming out uh, at certain parts. Like, even after the, the Villa games, the Bosley, Dom, good old Dom, was saying that, you know, he'd spoke to the player and he wanted to stay. We had Andy Robertson saying, you know, nothing nothing that indicated, you know, he wanted to go at all. He's been professional all the way through. Even Jürgen coming out, wasn't he, and saying at the end of those games, listen, it's all a media story. There's nothing in it for him. So that gave you that reassurance. But... It wasn't a complete and utter reassurance until one second past 10pm on Thursday night job, was it, type of thing. And that was just a little bit of a a small sigh of relief, let's say it for many. And even even afterwards, Trev, you had um, Emanalo, didn't you? The um, the former Chelsea guy is kind of in charge now that Saudi's appointed with all the infrastructure with some interesting comments, didn't he, about how he sees Mo as a, an incredible human being, almost like a son. Almost like he's laying the way for something, isn't it, so to speak, Trev? But whether he is or he isn't, and I think we've got strong suspicions for one way, Mo Salah stays at Liverpool, and we are so happy to say that. It's a, it's a mighty relief. Um, it's a mighty relief. The, the, I suppose a lot of people got it twisted in their heads, and I was worried for them because they were very much talking from a very Liverpool-centric point of view about why Mo Salah, of course, will obviously stay and not acknowledging the allure of that project and that culture and that, I think, symbolic role that he will have if he does go, uh, not acknowledging what heft that would have, what clout that would have in Mo Salah's mind. Uh, and I was kind of worried as a result that people were deluding themselves a little bit about how he wants to be X, Y, or Z record holder. And look, if nothing else, we have a situation now where we could see Mo Salah this season, if he has an absolute worldly of a season, go from his 188 goals and surpass Billy Little's 228 goals and therefore be fourth all-time goal scorer for Liverpool. Gordon Hodgson would have been within easy reach then. Uh, it's a long way, another big ask to Roger Hunt. And I don't know, I remember listening to uh, Dave um, Hendrick talking on uh, his his afternoon show, The Daily Red, about... Um, the reality, the possibility of Mo achieving Ian Rush's record. And I always thought, I look, Dave absolutely uh, could not be fonder of the chap. And I was listening to him and thinking, man, that's fanciful because it would require Salah battering in 30 goals a season for another four or five seasons. And that's an, an enormous ask. You wouldn't be surprised, Dave, to see him do it because he is an absolute phenomenal uh athlete, professional, and here's the thing, an absolute phenomenal top, top talent, like an incredible one-off talent in terms of what he contributes to our team. And, you know, 
We will have a look, I think, towards the end of this show, uh, towards January, at how this is all going to crank up again and how we can possibly relax and take it for granted that unless um, there is a terrifyingly large offer, we'll have him for the season and hopefully he will surpass that Billy Little mark, uh, not for any reasons of denigrating Billy, but because I think that's exactly where Mo Salah deserves to be because he's been so very, very good, such a wonderfully important footballer for us and always so available uh, over the course of his career at Liverpool. And I suppose it just makes me wonder if if you had similar thoughts as you were thinking about, you know, you, you alluded to the fact that a lot of people are starting to get their heads around this might be the last season. I think there's a lot of reality to that. Maybe you might fold in your thoughts about what Mo could or couldn't do over the course of this season and what he's meant to you as a footballer uh, and the idea of getting to see him for, for at least one more season. Um, with the idea of what it might take to get him away and we have to acknowledge that you know everybody every project every scenario that you want to imagine there will be a price where you just say well okay that's my number that's the number now where we start to talk uh about doing business i wonder what that would be for liverpool football club because an awful lot of people dave are i think lazily expecting that it will be the same amount again for a footballer who's a year older now maybe it will but I, I, I'm, in, I'm interested in your take on all of those things. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. There's a there's a few theories with with merit on this, Trevor. I've got to be honest. I mean, the first thing for me, he he is my favourite Liverpool player. I absolutely adore him. I adore the man. Even if you think back to Liverpool's lowest moments, or the and there's not been a, a million of them under Jurgen Klopp. We have to be honest. But whenever the team's been struggling, there's one man who's still been doing the business throughout that. So. Absolutely adore him. And an outright professional. I always thought he was almost a travesty. He wasn't in the leadership group for so long. But obviously, it's, it's come to fruition this summer. <laughs> From a transfer perspective, Trev, there's a couple of things I would flag that are really important to say. One of the big reasons that the Saudis, Aliti had specifically wanted Mo Salah this summer was because he could then also take part in the world and the club world cup to give it its official title, which is December time. You know, when the world sees it, it's an important tournament around the world, especially, you know, in South America and that part of the world, you know, giving them a, a global audience for the Saudis. So that was a big driver for it. So that's the first thing to consider. Also, Trev, and, and I understand the merits to this. I've got, you hear people saying, ah, oh, they'll be back in Jan. That'll be that done. Jan, as we know, is even harder than the summer to do business, get value for, all of those things. Mo Salah is also going to be at AFCON with Egypt, as we know, for that. 
I cannot see, and this doesn't mean it's impossible, by the way, you know, but I'd bet a bit of cash on it. I've got to be honest, Trev, that he stays in Jan and sees the full season out because I just get this sneaky suspicion as well. It could be a, a good little season for the Reds this season. And, you know, Mo Salah will be crucial in that. The chance to go to the end, like you said, get in the record charts, improve his position, put a bit more silverware on the mantelpiece. All those things play a part. So that's the second element I would consider. And then the third one is, like you said, the price. Now, there's factors in this. He'll only have a year left to go. That plays a part. He will be a year older. That plays a part. However, Trev, there'll probably be, I suspect, a few Saudi clubs in that regard looking at it. It won't just be al Ittihad, as people suggested. There'll be others that, that will come to the table. Now, do I think we'll get the same price that's talked about? I would struggle to see 200 million. I'd love to believe that's the case. Don't get me wrong. If, if he is going to go, I'm not trying to push Mo Salah out the door for one second, but if it does happen, I would love to believe it is a similar fee as was mentioned. However, I am struggling to see it. And I, I know, but I've also seen people suggest, oh, it'll be like half that 100 million. I would expect, and try not to wish the time away when I'm saying this, don't get me wrong, but uh, over that figure by, by some distance. And listen, this is all speculation, time will tell, but with the Club World Cup, AFCON, I think we get him for the year. What his price will be in the summer if he goes, and I am not wishing him out the door, time will tell, but I think 200 million might be a little fanciful. Perhaps, but I think you've put your finger on a very important thing there that um, I was going to factor back in, and it's it's perfect to do so now because there could well end up being a bit of a bidding war for Mo Salah because of the fact that it's only one club that was was talking about throwing crazy money at him. But like you say, a year into this 10-year plan um, and PIF money floating around, people with uh, it burning a hole in their pockets, you, you don't know what could happen. And all it will take is for an absolutely outstanding year from Mo Salah and who would bet against that? Uh, and, you know, maybe those people who... We're coming up with the we'll have, we'll at least get that again if not more maybe they're right who knows it's it's going to be very very interesting to watch one way or the other you can't help but think if it was even a minor motivation factor and I don't think for a fellow like Salah who's just like the epitome of professional uh, uh, thinking I don't think it would add necessarily anything to his motivation but even if it was just a little smidge to make him you know, want to go out on an absolute high so that, you know, he would be uh, courted uh, and therefore have his pick. You know, uh, it's a win-win for Liverpool in terms of what happens this season. Like you, I'd love to see him stay forever. Uh, I really would. It was kind of very, I thought, uh, sort of a little bit maudlin, a little bit sad to watch the clips from a couple of years ago where he was saying um, how, you know, he couldn't imagine playing against Liverpool and uh, he didn't really want to play against Liverpool. And this is, you know, when he's being linked with, you know, everyone wants, everyone wants Mo Salah. Everyone wanted Mo Salah certainly a couple of years ago, even more. And it was just lovely to hear at the time and so reassuring and Lee, you were at least at least he's not going to go and uh, go to go to Chelsea or go to City or whatever the horror scenario people had in their head um but even then the way he said it made it made it more reassuring that he wasn't going to go to a Real or whatever also 
this is a different kettle of fish uh, where he might go and not necessarily have to worry about playing against Liverpool. And I do tend to take Moa's word. He does seem to be a very straightforward kind of a guy in terms of, uh, like, you know, he was honest enough to say, this is how I feel, but let's see what the future brings. Like all good professional footballers will do. They won't close any doors on potential moves in a very short career. Why the hell should they? So I, I, I find myself quite heartened by that. I'm looking forward to this season. Um, um, ahead because of that, um, uh, as well as, as 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 many other factors, and I think you're right. I think it could be a season, a nice little season, as you put it, ahead for us. There are a lot of things to be excited about. Um, one of the things that we really wanted done in this uh, window, of course, was to see a d- distinct addressing of an issue which the club made public um which was the need for a defensive midfielder and then the club made even more public by selling Fabinho now of course we didn't do that and that's a conversation for a whole different show um and we're going to have to find ways of improvising around that at least until the next window however one guy that we also sold was Jordan Henderson alongside Fabinho. I think an awful lot of us who were kind of uh, less than high on him as a footballer in terms of what he contributed thought that that was probably a good thing all round. But man, poor old Jordan, regardless of the slings and arrows that he had been in receipt of for his move, he went and made it worse, Dave. He went and made it worse. And it's we've got a little bit of distance between ourselves now and this infamous interview um, with Crafton and Ornstein. And I'd love to get your take on it because there's bits and pieces that we could do <laughs> kind of clearing up here. It's very, very interesting. And it plays right into our topic of transfers here. The nature of it, the reason for it, um, the the driving force behind it. And and who's telling Porky's? Because somebody has to here. Somebody is telling Porky Pies. I'm loving the idea of working through this, unpacking this a bit with you. What did you make of the whole uh, interview debacle? Oh, Trev, I mean, honestly, when we were putting this on the agenda, I was thinking that this could be a show in itself. You could unpack the whole thing for hours on end, couldn't you? It was a, it was a, yeah, thinking the words carefully, it was a car crash of an interview, Trev. It was an absolute PR own goal beyond belief that for a player that's been focused on his PR so heavily throughout his career and has has done good things. I want to be clear on this, but use the media in, in the, the right way, so to speak, for, for his career. I thought it was absolutely horrific. I thought it was tone deaf, Trev. I thought it was, at best, beyond foolish. And honestly, terrible. And there's so many, so many things we could sort of break down on this. It's absolutely unreal. But like you said, it, it is a transfer show. And with the focus on the transfer comments, from from that point of view, as he as he said, he was quite clear that when he when he came back, having you know trained really hard, as though that's that's something that's novel to do, as though Liverpool players are not supposed to be in the best shape possible. But hey hey ho, trying to disregard that for a second, that he came back in great shape, and he had the conversation with Jurgen Klopp around you know what had happened, and was told. This is why I also like Trev. 
the bit that certain conversations will remain private and then alluded to absolutely everything that was said. You know, I'm not one to keep conversations private and then was clearly told that, you know, you're not going to be a starter. You're not going to get as many minutes. But it's not really that private anymore, is it, Jordan, so to speak, in that regard? But again, should I try not to divert from a course here? So, yeah, that, that, that was what we suspected. And obviously, you see where the, the team is. You, it starts to make a, a bit more sense of things that we already probably knew, Trev. But it's always good to get that that confirmation, that corroboration on it, isn't it, so to speak, in that regard. And then the other big thing for me to unpack from a transfer point of view, which I thought was absolutely fascinating in the worst way, that one where, you know, the offer came in and it wasn't just dismissed out of hand, as, as he said, and I thought this was fascinating in his words, that if anyone at the club had said they want me to stay, we wouldn't be having this conversation now. I mean, Christ, he didn't get a renewal all that long ago, Trev, on mega money. We know he's still... Anyone, Stevie Wonder can see how much, you know, Jurgen Klopp thought of Jordan Henderson. This time just happens to everyone for, you know, in football. That That's the nature of the bee, so to speak. You can't cheat time, but... Honestly, I could go around with this all day, but from a from a transfer perspective, it just didn't look good, Jordan, did it, eh? I wonder if um, you're on the same page as me with this, because one of the quotes that stuck out for me as I read uh, <laughs> uh, a free access version, because I'm not an athletic subscriber of the of the, of the interview. One of the things that stood out for me was. Uh, where he said, if, if, if any one of those people, uh, he was alluding to management and, and Jurgen, uh, sorry, ownership and Jurgen. If any one of those people had, had basically asked me to stay, uh, it'd be a different conversation. You know, I, I'd probably still be at the club. Um, so he was trying to do the whole thing about not being wanted. And I find that stunning. And as you said, every player comes to a stage in their career where they have to accept a sort of a maybe a qualified or 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 uh, let's just say a role that does not mean they're going to be omnipresent. Now, Jordan Henderson, if he had any self-awareness, would be clear on the fact that he was the exception, one of the exceptions to that rule, he was omnipresent. He was always going to start when he was fit, uh, regardless of uh, fans' opinions, because the manager's opinion was the only one that mattered. And that—that's whatever that is. You can you can uh, pick the bones out of that all night if you're listening to this, and if you don't particularly like the sound of it, I mean, it's hard to argue what I've said there. He—he was—he was. He was uh, a preferred starter, um, despite the fact that an awful lot of people, myself included, would not have had him as a preferred starter. But he was, regardless. And to turn around and not apparently want to have the competition or the fight, uh, it's a weird one, Dave. And it makes me wonder, was it was it almost like in a fit of peak? Because he also said, and this is again, right in the meat of the transfer area, which is what we want to talk about. You're not interested in all the other wider debates, because as you say, it's two or three shows uh, that he also said basically that, you know, uh, 
I, I, I didn't think, you know, he realized he wasn't going to be an automatic starter. If, if anyone had, had, had told him that they wanted him to stay, that he could have. But he also said that there wasn't a whole lot of interest in him. So I'm wondering, Dave, was this like almost like a fit of peak? Or should we be a little bit more sympathetic and think, oh, OK, um, let's just take all our bias out of it for a second and say this is a guy who's being told he's not going to play football. He's at a certain stage of his career. This crowd are going to make him a superstar and make him the center of their team. And he gets to work with Steven Gerrard and he gets to play football, all of the football, all of the time. I mean, is there a, a very sympathetic angle that we could look, look at things at? What did you think about all those uh, things that were included in that interview about him being wanted or feeling wanted and then the interest or lack of interest in him from other clubs because he was what was pointed out to him was like couldn't you've done you know what you're talking about doing here with a Brentford or a or a or a, a you know even a Sunderland or, or a Brighton like Jimmy Milner did um, and he seemed to brush that aside what did you think about all that angle to it yeah, I'm, I'm a thousand percent leaning towards the uh, the former than the latter, as you described it there, Trev. And first, should have said as well, as you kind of mentioned to it, it is sensational journalism from Adam Crafton. Some great questions and, you know, really probed uh, Jordan Henderson. I, I thought that should mention that at the same time. The way I thought about it, almost as you were speaking, I thought this at the time, Trev, as I was reading through it, it's an interview of contradictions, isn't it, really? that That's the way I would paraphrase it, that being objective, this is a player who, you know, talked about coming back in tip-top condition, you know, as, as he said, you know, ready to, as you almost mentioned, fight for his place, be part of it, you know, understood that it wasn't great last year, so we need to, I need to go away, I need to come back in tip-top condition, Okay. So how does that translate to them being told you might, you know, you're not going to be an auto, automatic starter in that regard? And, you know, there's, there's going to be competition coming in. And we know who that is now. Don't get me wrong, but it's the contradiction there. It's also the contradiction, Trev, around, if you remember, rewind the clock to when he was told, you know, an even worse situation probably for him at the time that well, we're going to trade you because we want to get Clint Dempsey in. But he put his head down then and, and fought, didn't he? No problems at all. So. I thought that was a, a big part of a, a contradiction. This, also this uh, telling me I was wanted, you know, telling me we, we wanted to stay. Well, you have the conversation about, you know, you won't be an automatic starter. It's quite clear that, I'm not saying the toys have come out the pram, don't get me wrong, but it, it's not been received gratefully, let's put it that way. So naturally, when when there's talk in the offer, which he well knows about, like, you know, let's not get it twisted anyway, that the club are saying almost to him, out of respect, OK, we understand if you want to go that way, we'll let you make the decision. But you are still the captain, you know, all those types of things. So it, it almost uh, that really, to be honest, got my goat that, that need to almost, oh, please stay, Jordan. They're almost like a beg line, so to speak, Trevor. I, I thought that was very distasteful amongst many other things. You know, I mean, I'm not playing down the other stuff, but from a transfer point of view, very distasteful for me. And th- this whole, like you said about, option starting there's one reason why these players are going to Saudi isn't it there's one reason that we know and there's many things to answer which he didn't in the interview let's be clear of that and I'm trying not to stray too far but 
There was one reason. It wasn't about football. It wasn't about being necessarily just wanted because he could have got that elsewhere, like you said. And then that's why it comes back to a, an interview of contradictions, which I thought, yeah, nothing really positive I can say about it, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that line about... Um, I saw Jürgen said a few days ago that he's really happy with the transfer window and he loves his team. Uh, this tells you the players that left, he probably wanted to go. And the players that have come in, he probably wanted to sign. It just had that kind of crybaby ring to it. I, I, pathetic. Absolutely you, pathetic. Yeah. It, and as you said, kind of distasteful. And, you know, obviously he doubled down so hard in other areas that, you know, we, we'll allow other shows that are not transfer shows to talk about how he thought it was um, an example of like going the extra mile or whatever his phrase was to wear a pair of laces and, and an armband. Um, it, I, I'll tell you what I thought, Dave, here. I'll just give you my take on this overall without getting into any of those things in depth at all. But the way that he spoke about the transfer itself, uh, his status at the club, uh, his representation of the manager, I thought it was very interesting the way he thought he, he spoke and it seemed to be exclusively about the owners and how the relationship would always be a good one and the things that we've achieved together and so on and so forth. Um, but my take on it overall was, I think what got exposed here, and you and I have spoken about this um, in uh, private chats, I think he comes across as a bit of a dope, you know? I think he might be coming across in that stereotypical, not the brightest footballer cliche, because... That's the only, there are two ways to look at this. Either he's a very duplicitous man. I don't think he is. I think he believed almost everything he was saying in that interview. And I think he just might not be the brightest. And some people think I'm cutting him a lot of slack there. I, I, I think that's the fairest appraisal. I, I think, you know, he doesn't, he's not a profound thinker about things. I think he probably has a, a good heart. He's probably a, a, a nice fella. Um, with good intentions and so when someone said um, hey the LGBTQ plus community would love you to maybe do some advocacy work or uh, you know make a statement or two I'm, I'm sure he went of course yeah everybody's the same I'll do that but then he can't understand he can't understand the basics of why people are a little bit upset in the wake of it I don't know Dave my, my overall take and it may be a charitable one um, some people may think it's a terrible insult um, for me to, like, we know you and I have both experienced <laughs> at least one person who may have thought that I was being very critical of people in the past on this show. Um, I make no apologies for anything I've ever said in this show because I always try to be measured. Some people may think I'm actually being quite critical and, and, and take offense at me, uh, uh, sort of deriding Jordan's uh, cognitive abilities. But I, I just feel that perhaps the biggest takeaway from that is, ah, oh, he's just not the brightest, is he? Is that too charitable or do you have a feeling like that as well? I think it's absolutely bob on, to be honest, Trev, as they say where I'm from. I think there's that, that famous quote, isn't it? That it's, it's better to keep your mouth shut and have them think you're an idiot than open your mouth and prove it. That, that's yeah. kind of you know, <laughs> the more 
forefront of, of my mind in that regard. I think Vic w- would have been my takeaway a little bit, you know, as how he comes across in that regard. But yeah, I mean, you look at what he's done previously and, you know, it, it, there is a, a modicum of intelligence there. And this isn't just trying to label footballers, you know, one way or the other, don't get me wrong. But you think of the, the comments, the way he's come across. But I, maybe thick's better than disingenuous, put it that way, Trev. Maybe that's even more charitable, I don't know. But, yeah, it would be a fair assumption in my eyes. And that's probably a good spot for us to leave it. I do have a question for you because I have been kind of out of the loop. Folks may realize or have seen one or two things um, uh, from me. I, uh, I've had some knee surgery, so I'm not really in the loop for the last, I guess, maybe half a week to a week. Um, but you've written down something here, uh, I, and I specifically didn't want to ask you about it. Uh, and your note here says, Lindstrom comments, shows we made a bid, as we said. I don't know what any of that is. Talk to me. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, this is a, an interesting one. And we, we mentioned it on a, a pod many months, many weeks ago type of thing. Right early in the window, Trevor, if you can remember, if you cast your mind right back to the time where we looked like we were going to get Mason Mount and then other clubs were coming into the picture. And the, you know, Ah, the, yes, yes. This kid was an alternative at the time, right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. So we're winding back even even that far. We mentioned it that, you know, as we said, as we normally do, harassed, harangued. And that was one of the, the names that we got as a suggestion of a pool that, you know, really gone for this on the basis that he'd be got at a good price from Eintracht Frankfurt and he was a Liverpool fan and you know all that played into it and interestingly what did he reveal give or take Trev about five days ago I think roughly so he did you know he was asked about transfers before he moved to Napoli what was his considerations and as he quoted Trev or as he said it was Liverpool that made the offer and I am a Liverpool supporter so it would have been a madly fascinating experience but would it have been an intelligent move question mark if i don't play then i may as well sit in front of the tv and watch them play there while i'm at a different club i'm at an age now where i have to play football so as they say literally from from the horse's mouth no other way you can describe it literally that was lindstrom confirming they did have an offer for liverpool about that time and he was liverpool fan but he turned it down on the basis that there was a, a lack of belief that he would get the start, get the game time. And in, in the nicest way, Trev, you know, fair play to him. He's a, a great club with Napoli. He's going to play in the Champions League and all that type of thing. But 
Would I have traded the other two main midfielder captures in Zabozla and McAllister for him? Not a chance in hell. So it all works out well for everyone in the end, put it that way. That's very interesting. That is very interesting, especially, like you say, uh, at a hell of a club um, and and has every chance in the world of, of, of maybe going on and, and stepping up uh, to a level where we, we may regret not um, pushing that bid through or whatever. But it's lovely to hear from the horse's mouth that that was a real thing that happened, because I guess what I would love to think, Dave, and uh, how I'd love to see us moving on in this new setup. And I don't know, maybe listen, this might be an opportunity to just talk about this briefly. And I, 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 I know you, I've, I've absolutely, I'm, I'm blindsiding you with this one. And we don't know a whole lot of details. In fact, I don't know any details. Perhaps you know one or two. But apparently we've been given to believe that the Schmadke thing is going to be a short lived experiment and that, um, there will be a new structure moving forward. And then we heard the news, didn't we, about um, about the, the famous uh, laptop guru who was, uh, uh, was such a huge, huge influence on Liverpool's successful period at the club. Um, and, and Ian Graham as well are forming this um, new sort of consultancy business. Um, I saw some people saying FSG could do a whole lot worse than get him on the job again and pay him for his services. Um, I wonder, what do you think is the reality of, in the middle of this section, by the way, I understand we have more to do in Liverpool. What do you think is the reality of that in terms of, of a new setup for Liverpool uh, from the recruitment point of view? Because I think an awful lot of people would look back over the summer and go, yeah, look, some fantastic things got done. Um, you mentioned um, both Dom and, and McAllister and um, we can be very excited about those. Maybe Gravenberg will t- turn out to be a wonderful footballer and who knows, maybe Endo will end up being a bit of a cult hero if he can find his feet and, 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 and maybe a little bit more physicality from what I've seen. Um, the window is what the window is. Uh, I wonder though, you know, an awful lot of people would have criticisms and obviously my massive one is, look, you, you signposted to the world you needed a defensive midfielder. You ended up getting a very much squad player in that role. And that's it. And you lost your main man in that role. So that to me is a, a sign of a massive deficiency or disconnect in what we were trying to do with our business. So I'm all for it changing. Let's put it that way. What do you think about the talk around the structure changing is there a reality to it do you know anything about it have you heard any whisperings or rumblings about who might be involved oh this what a question eh? I'll, I'll almost do the, you know when the politician says i'll take the second part first type of thing because hey, i'm buying myself a little thinking time for the first one because i've got ideas but i do want to come to the the second one because when you were saying the names and i know you love your movies trev this is what i envisage happens that Big John, Linda in a ball gra- in a ball gown, Tom are all sat there in a you know a nice dining room somewhere, and they get the DVD through, for, you know from from Michael Edwards and Ian Graham, and they think, oh, what's this? You know, some some old friends type of thing, and they put on the DVD, Trev, the Blu-ray, whatever it is, and amazingly, Michael Edwards and Ian Graham come on the screen and they're there in the tuxedos and shorts and they're there, Trev, talking about their company, Prestige Worldwide, 
And they're moving round, Trevor, and they're talking about boats and hoes, boats and hoes. <laughs> I don't know why, because it couldn't probably be any further from the truth, but that is what comes into my head realistically, and I've no idea why. But, yeah, I, I, I just can't see it, to, to be honest. I would love to believe, and, and I know certain people, certain fans, contributors to this channel and everything will be going, it's their dream for them, and I get that to to get Michael Edwards, you know, Ian Graham back involved. But this is going to sound terrible. We, the structure isn't good, and I'm going to come back to to that. But we have other geeks now, like Spearman by their nature. Also, I just don't see any sort of future where, because of the nature of what they've set up, it's a company that consults for all different tags, multi-club ownership, and all that. Where there's almost a a collaboration, a sharing with other clubs, that that's not FSG for, for one minute. So I hate to uh, piss on people's chips, as they say, but for, for that Edwards, Graham part, I cannot see that. Could well be wrong. You know, we've been wrong before, but for that, for that rationale, that's why that's a no. The Schmacker thing. I mean, this has been one of the stories of the summer. Let's not pretend for one second. This has been fascinating. Ever since we've got him, Trev, Liverpool themselves have said practically nothing. They've been very low-key, except this is Julian Ward's replacement for now. You know, it's a, it's a perm type of thing, and obviously the, the patch journals, others been investigating. You know, is, is that true? What's his role? Etc. Etc. All the info on Jörg Schmatke has come from Jörg Schmatke, pretty much, and revealing things such as, oh, no, I'm a transfer consultant, by the way. Jürgen picks the players, you know, I, I, I go from there type of thing. His words, Trev, his words, I'm a transfer consultant. Jörg Schmatke also revealing that, oh yeah, there's kind of a, is a long-term contract, you could say, but there's a, a break clause, i.e. once it's, you know, this summer window's done, we can review and see what we think. So all the news about Jörg Schmatke has come from Jörg Schmatke, bar the type that he likes to go to a uh, Pasha till 5am, doesn't he, and has enjoyed the, the season as it's wound down with a... Uh, Paul Oakenfold and all the others type of thing is Ibiza <laughs> Villa, but that, that's a different story altogether. It, it really is. But on that, we, all we've heard is again when we've been harassing, haranguing people is that it has been a discussion topic for FSG and specifically John Henry, you know, all, all the, the key players, if you, you want to call it that. But, when um, when John and Tom flew over for the Chelsea game, if you remember, apparently there was initial discussions. That's what we got told around it then. I'm not going to pretend I've got an insight, an ITK as to, to what will happen, but the absolute smart money is, Trev, that two things. Number one, Jörg Schmacke is not here in the long term. It doesn't even sound like he particularly wants to be, Trev, you know, just, just to be clear. And the second big thing, and this isn't a big reveal because I think a few people have mentioned it type of thing. All that we know and other people at AI know from fishing around and getting info was that, and I want to be careful how I phrase this because this could be taken as different ways. Julian Ward has been back involved with Liverpool during the end of the transfer window. From mid-August, he's been involved with Liverpool. Now, I'm not saying it because I don't know. We don't know. I've not had that confirmed. That's on a... A perm attempt till the end of the window. Oh, he's coming back for good. It was dipping the water. All that it would just be pure speculation of me talking nonsense that I don't know about. But what we had from a good few journals and sources is that from about mid-August time, 
Julian Ward had been involved with Liverpool till the end of the transfer window. Whether that goes further, etc., whether he's still there now, whether he's got no idea on that at all, that would be a lie. But that is quite a startling thing, isn't it, Trev? And bear in mind the other things to say. Billy Hogan tried to do the deal for Caicedo. The club were clear on that. Everyone said that. No mention of Schmatke. Even the other deals that, you know, with pay and release clauses, etc. Does it, it doesn't seem he's too involved too much. I don't know how else I'd put it. So for that part, I don't see a long-term future for Jörg Schmatke. But good question on the hop, Trevor. Very impressive. <laughs> I can feel your little hand reaching through the Ethernet and tapping me on the head in uh, benign condescension. And I'm very grateful to receive that uh, compliment from you. I want to talk about some Liverpool stories to wrap up here that you've flagged up for us. Apparently, first of all, Trent and um, Simicus both have contracts about to be or in the state of almost beginning uh, renewal. And I'm interested in that, obviously. And you might fold in the story about our uh, pal Grabara as well in terms of a little positive. And then we will come after that. I want to tee up a question for you about um, a certain Brazilian chap. So maybe if you go to Trent and Simicus and their contract and then the Grabara tale as well. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, an interesting one, these two. And, and, and literally at opposite end of the scale right now. So Trent's nice and easy with a couple of years left to go. Just been told that it's on the club's agenda. They're aware of it. And it's a exploratory sort of talks, as they phrase it, initial discussions, that famous phrasing, as it were. Nothing progressed there. However, as natural, the club was you know keen to say that no difficulties expected, no issues, a new vice captain. So they're not going to rock the boat or bring anything out really in any way there. Completely understandably. The second thing, the Simicast one. Yeah, I know I sent you this sort of earlier in the week because we were talking that it came out from um, James Pierce, didn't it? That the club are very, very close to announcing a two-year extension for our old pal Costas. Now, this one that... Uh, we talked about it. We talked about his name in this regard. A lot of us expected him to depart Anfield this summer for for obvious reasons, especially in the new formation that if Andy Robertson didn't fit, Christ knows how you'd describe Costas for, for certain fans. And 
you know the what they were trying to recruit. We, we expected a defender or a left-sided defender, didn't we, as well, Trev? But it never came to fruition. But here we are with with all that in mind and where we are. I think he's played about 15, 20 minutes or so this season. This is what I would refer to as asset protection at its absolute finest, Trev. But that still makes it a good move for the club. So, yeah, Simicast expected to get announced very shortly. Trent early days, club doesn't envisage any problems. So positive news on that front. And Gravara? Gravara, yeah, this is the old Asda, every little help. So almost a youngster brought in so long ago under Benitez it was, wasn't it? Never really quite made the grade, had a few games in the football league, but done very, very well for himself at Copenhagen, even in the Champions League trap. So Literally, it's a weird one. Next summer, they've already done the deal for next summer that he will move to Wolfsburg. And because of the sell-on clause we got for him, an extra approximately, depending on what the Euro trades are in Tesco, Trev, an extra 2.3 million roughly in the bank from a sell-on clause as well. So there you go. The net spend will probably be about 32 million next summer. But yeah, every little helps, as they say. That's fantastic. The net spend boys will be loving that, as will Johnny Henry, no doubt. And we'll finish Liverpool with a, the Liverpool chat, at least, with, uh, uh, I, this is why this show was necessary, because like you said, to tee it up, um, before we even, um, considered doing the show, there's so much stuff that has come out that helps us to understand what's going on. And no better little bit of drama than some quotes that we got um, about the situation with Fluminense's Andre, who we were obviously clearly linked with and who has managed to, if anything, uh, push his profile higher and higher with some great performances and some goals and and the like. Uh, His club performing very well. The reality of that meant that it was highly unlikely we were going to get him and that, you know, January would be more likely. But there's a whole story that evolved around here, some quotes that were very interesting as well. And I don't know if after that story and those quotes, I feel a little bit more hopeful or as hopeful or less hopeful. I'm not sure what to make of it. There are a few ways you could approach it. What's your take? Yeah, it was it's fascinating. It's amazing, isn't it, when the transfer window finishes, like you said, Trev, how loose-lipped some people become, so to speak. So. Yeah, the, the Fluminese head honcho Bittencourt, I think his surname is pronounced. You, you know, I can butcher a, a name any time. That was literally talking to the, the press, naturally, in Brazil, talking about players, the transfer window. Specifically, was asked about Andre. So, talked about, yeah, there's been interest from many clubs, that type of thing. You know, and we need to be resistant to players because of how well we're doing in the Copa Libertadores, etc. The most fascinating thing that I'm sure people have seen this, Trev, without doubt, Name-checked Liverpool, didn't he? So he actually said the the Liverpool executive director. Christ knows who that would be. Could be Hogan, could be Schmacker, you know, however he's interpreted it, so to speak. But the Liverpool executive director specifically rang me, at which point I told him, no chance, you know, that, that he's going during this window, that naturally we'll see where we are with the, because we could be in the Club World Cup, which is a big tournament, in you know December for for us Brazilians here in South America, but also January could be possible. Now that I mean it confirms one thing, Trev, that we had a serious conversation about him, didn't we? That that ultimately can, confirms that. It also just gives you the feel that there's been 
been suggestions from, from various reports, even in Brazil, that Liverpool is Andre's choice. It's all going to come down to whether Liverpool choose to revisit it in January. Now, you can take this a couple of ways. I mean, I think it's a player they like. There's no two ways about it. You could also interpret it that, no, he's had his chance and all that. But there's still one non-homegrown spot in the squad to fill, isn't it, Trev? That for a small squad, we didn't fill it. So people will hang on to that. But West Ham have also been muted that they they inquired, you know, in, in the summer. So whether they revisit. But my gut is telling me, and this is a gut, this isn't definitive proof, but my gut is telling me, this isn't necessarily the end of the Andre Liverpool story, put it that way, Trev. Yeah, I, everything I've seen of this guy I love. I love the idea of us getting a, an aggressive South American midfielder. Uh, call me call me a cliche, call me romantic, call me whatever you want to call me. I just love the idea of that um, and, 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 and him adding to whatever the dynamics of our squad uh, currently are in January. It would be lovely to see that happen. And uh, like you, I think the the biggest takeaway for me was when I read those quotes, I was asking exactly the same question: Who's he fucking talking about? I didn't know who he was talking about because of how unclear things are. I mean, you should probably make the assumption of a schmatke, but should you? Because nobody knows anything, and not in a good way. I think nobody should know anything when we're going about doing about our, our business like like things used to be um, under Michael Edwards. Uh, but you'd like to know who's doing the business. Surely that might be helpful. So we'll look at that again. And of course, kind of talking ourselves up here, but we're going to be back for that show uh, and our, our next series of the transfer show uh, approaching during and immediately after the January transfer window, of course. So it will be very much one that will be on our radar. If we look around the rest of the Premier League and Europe we could do lots of different, and I've heard the the scouted lads have a show lined up where they're going to talk about how they feel, who who did the best business in the transfer window across the Premier League and stuff like that. And that's a, a, obviously very much kind of in their remit. But we still have some live issues, Dave, to talk about because there is the reality of the Turkish and Greek windows still being open. So there will be some squad players Maybe some high-profile squad players, maybe some very, very big signing ex or ex-big signing squad players, who will be wanting to get the hell away from wherever they are now, where they're out of favour, uh, and play in a league where perhaps they might find themselves by dint of the fact that they join X, Y, or Z club in the Champions League and therefore far better off, and perhaps in with a chance of winning some domestic honours wherever they go. Who is in that kind of conversation in the period of time that's left between now and the closing of the Turkish and Greek windows? What stories are we hearing about Premier League footballers being linked with moves to those two countries? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating one, Trevi. Even now, as we're talking, like that, that Turkish window doesn't close until September the 15th. So it's still, like you say, a live issue, as it were. And the, the analogy I'd use for the, the Turkish window now in the Premier League is, and it, it does take me back to my childhood a little bit, the old SO garages. Do you remember 
back in the day, you used to get the bargain bucket, so to speak, at the, the garages where you'd find things like mash box sets and things like that for 99p and, you know, label to, to clear type of thing. It almost feels like that for Premier League. And you just look at the moves that have been done in the last few days, Trev. Honestly, it's it's insane that Eric Bailly from United to Besiktas, so he joins the Ox. Nicolas Pepe, do you remember when Arsenal signed him for about 72 million with add-ons not that long ago, Trevor? Big, big money. Arsenal have released him on a free, so he's now gone to Trabzonspor. I mean, that is shocking, isn't it, type of thing. That You also look at Ndombele, you know, viewed as a, a big signing, real potential when he came from Lyon to Spurs. He's now gone on loan to Galatasaray. Davison Sanchez, one that Spurs also got from Ajax, heralded as a big, big talent. Well, the Colombians now gone for a, a small fee, just below 10 million football terms to Galatasaray as well. I mean, even though the random ones are happening, so Wolves Pudence signs a new contract and then goes on loan to Olympiacos on the same day. I mean, that's just bizarre, isn't it, type of thing. So, don't be surprised, in essence, Trev, if you just see a kind of few random players who you might even have thought, Christ, I didn't even realise they were still at that club in the Premier League type of thing. Just kind of drift off into the, the wilderness that way. But yeah, the Turkish window is open till September the 15th. Yeah, absolutely. One to keep an eye on in terms of a little bit of interest for potentially changing squads. And it can't, uh, unless the people are buying out of favour, it can't really be a good thing for anybody uh, from a managerial perspective in the Premier League. But again, it could be a very good thing if someone is completely out in the cold and uh, the player themselves wants to play on. I think that Pepe thing is a remarkable, remarkable, in, in the worst possible sense, turnaround because... Yeah, I mean, it was 70-whatever with, with with add-ons rising north of 80. I mean, that was – it was a, a, a huge, huge deal. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a stunning like, – I, I feel bad saying that, but it's, to go from that feed and, and the Premier League and uh, – a, a club who, for better or worse, thinks they might be challenging for the title uh, to Trabs on Spore for, you know, a free. Uh, that's I, I hope the kid can restart there because that's 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 got to be grim. No show would be complete without a review of what happened with the new uh, earth shattering, uh, paradigm changing, uh, reality shifting thing that is the Saudi League. But it's not just the Saudi League. We might finish with some Qatar chat. Um, but what do we have by way of, okay, done and dusted stuff? You've got here in the done category, Carrasco, Gray, Luis Felipe and Barrow. Talk to me about those deals. Yeah, it was, we've been mentioning it the pod before, but Yannick Carrasco moved as expected. So a bit of a, a windfall there for Atletico. We are a bit cash flow short, let's say that. So they didn't mind that one at all. Damari Gray, Trev. Yeah, after all the, the Sean Dyche comments and all the thing, where does he end up? He ends up with Stevie, doesn't he, at Al Etifat for about £8 million or so. Crazy days, eh? So, yeah, he's over there. Luis Felipe, the um, the defender from Real Betis. So, Pellegrini, the former City manager, said, you know, it's absolutely scandalous. He was, you know, he's so honest on this that we've even sold him. You know, we, we needed centre-halves for short, but 
the club wouldn't turn down that cash against his advisement and his wishes that way. And then a player we were linked with a, a long, long time ago, Musa Barrow, the, the winger, has also moved over there. So, yeah, they uh, they did get it all done that they wanted, but they still got a fair bit of business done, the Saudi clubs, on the deadline days. Now, again, the purpose of this show is to talk about the things that have come out in the aftermath. What got revealed, basically? What have we found out? We've already had our Henderson chat and so many others, uh, bits of context that we got, you know, around Andre and stuff like that. But we've also gotten so much more information about several other people, including Sancho, Alaba, Lewandowski, De Bruyne, uh, Saiz, uh, Jota, even, even Salah. Talk to us about that. What, what, what is, what has been the kind of fallout? What information have we gotten now that everything has been put to bed for at least another few months? It's crazy this, isn't it? Like you said, sometimes what gets revealed can be more interesting than what gets done at times. But yeah, it was, obviously I'm sure everyone's fully aware of all the, the Jaden Sancho Manchester United issues, but it was revealed that there was an inquiry made from Saudi clubs, which was quickly rebuffed from all camps involved there. Like you said, the the amount of superstars we'd speculated, we'd, we'd suggested, but even more confirmed through various sources that had been approached. So like you said, Alaba said no, Lewandowski said no, KDB said no. You know, th- these are big names. They, they literally tried everyone, as it were. Roman Saiz, this is fascinating, Trev, that the way they, they've allowed them to do it in the, the teams between the, the league and Saudi, that he'd played for three games three games for a club that is apparently stacked with defenders and there's another club in the league Trev that are struggling for defenders so guess what they did they just swapped his ownership round after three games and he moves to the other team no fee involved Trev just transferred the registration fascinating can you imagine like if uh, in our league someone like Wolves had an injury crisis and they just knocked on to Aston Villa and said can we can we get a defender and they're like yeah no worries lads give us 10 minutes we'll transfer it on the system can, you know can you imagine anything like that but that's the way it's worked. Jota, not our Jota, thankfully, before anyone panics, but the former Celtic boy that, that went there to Al Ittihad. And there have been loads of suggestions that he wanted to go. And all these things after, you know, a big £25 million move. They've not even registered him in the squad trap. You know, like the, the full complement. And they're not answering questions on what's happening with Jota as well. Actually, a few journalists are, are proed, but there's no... So, confirmation is it's just sat out now as it were he's just not playing football it seems utterly bizarre and then maybe the piece de resistance of have you ever heard a bigger downgrade in football this was one that really struck for me as it was confirmed by a good few sources having been rebuffed as it were not got anywhere with Mo Salah who was the backup plan that Alitiad went for Richarlison the Spurs boy you know that boy who got about one goal last season he was the Salah backup, and even he rebuffed it late as well. But yeah, talk about what would have been your biggest downgrade ever. But as you kind of caption it, Trev, sometimes what gets revealed may be more interesting than what's happened. But fascinating stuff, eh? Yeah, exactly. The, the, the what might have been. As I, you know, you're not quite as old as me or anywhere near it. But uh, when I was growing up, there was a show called uh, Bullseye on TV, uh, where people played darts for prizes. <laughs> I mean, 
I can't actually think of a more quintessentially English show ever, but it was on Irish TV and we used to watch it. And at the end, at the end, what they would do is after you'd lost and you hadn't won the star prize, the, the, the host Jim Bone would say, here's what you could have won. And you had to sit and watch as on a circling platform, your prize, a speedboat or a, whatever the hell it was, came out and you had to go, oh, I never got that. And so I suppose I think of all these clubs thinking of what could have been, what might have been. And as you say, um, I think the dopes who thought it might be a good idea to pivot from Mo Salah to Richarlison will think back and go, actually, we've dodged a bullet there. At least I hope they have enough sense to do that. Now, I want to go absolutely clearly on the record and here say, and say that, uh, Sergio Ramos is a terrible set of lads. I, I don't like him. I, I, I don't like him at all. And then the whole Salah thing in the Champions League final confirmed it for me and I can never like him. However, what is interesting about him this week is that unlike almost everybody else, uh, when offered a fortune, he decided to decline it and go elsewhere back to his boyhood club. And I can think of maybe, oh, I don't know, at a stretch. Hmm, let me, let me think here. I can think of at least one Liverpool lad who I think most people would have preferred to have done the same for the sake of his legacy and all the rest of it. Um, what do we know about what happened with Sergio Ramos? Yeah, to uh, to borrow from your childhood analogy there, Trev, by the uh, the t- time the board had fully turned round and the audience had asked him to gamble, Sergio Ramos didn't. I mean, like you, I can't stand the player at all, but it was interesting. Very Angel Di Maria vibes, wasn't it, that did a similar thing, that literally turned down 15 times the amount he's then taken up at Sevilla to return to his boyhood club. So, yeah, suggestions are that it's almost a, sounds terrible to say because it's not, but in football terms, a nominal 1 million euro salary, more to return to to his boyhood club and turn down mega money from Saudi. Doesn't make him a good bloke, doesn't make me like him, but, yeah, it's interesting that quite a few have still turned it down, eh? Absolutely. And now we should finish with a, another sort of mover and shaker in the whole Middle Eastern scene is guitar. Um, I mean, you need to be a, a, a sort of very much unaware of what's going on in the world, not to know that they're absolutely moving and shaking in that whole area as well. We not, let's, let's leave the World Cup scenarios aside. But with Qatar, there are some stories about Coutinho, Verratti, and even Draxler. Yeah, these are. This is one that again, because the window's open, will we'll carry on. And Coutinho is now on loan there, isn't it? You know, what a fall from from when he left us and Klopp talked about you know staying or build statues of you and all that type of thing. Now on loan from Aston Villa to a Qatarian club. Yeah, crazy. Verratti, that, that's been kicking on all summer, hasn't it, Trev? I mean, PSG have told him 30 million times that he's not wanted. So everyone's just waiting again for that to get done, the final parts. And Draxler, fascinating one. He has, well, say he, it's now come out that his other half has turned the move down. It's family reasons why he's not going. But 
I asked quite a few reports, especially the from Lakeith, the the GFFN sort of site, if anyone follows that, have said. Julian Draxler, despite clearly being in the alternative training group at PSG, clearly not wanted by anyone at the club of any variety, has turned down Trev this summer. This is a staggering figure. Nine formal moves. Not just like nine clubs saying, do you fancy it and getting told no? But nine clubs actually have essentially done a deal with PSG and he's gone, nah, I'll leave it. I'll just sit on the bench type of thing and get a fortune type of things, which maybe tells me a little bit of his mentality. I don't know if those clubs have dodged a bullet, so to speak. But yeah, nine formal offers and he's still not having it. Even, you know, as we heard from the Premier League, Crystal Palace were one. But yeah, he's not going anywhere. Seems quite happy just to... uh Take his money. Not quite at the level of young Killian, who we have a favourite phrase for, but not that far away, eh? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I would, at this stage, be very... I'd do terrible things to be in that position, to be uh, in a position where you could be refusing offers left, right and centre, because you're so comfortable where you are. Um, that must be a lovely, lovely reality to be in, Dave. And and, and look, we've, we, we've done, I think... As sterling an effort as we can to recap what has been a very interesting period post window shutting where, like we say, context has been revealed, extra information has come to light and an extra sort of understanding of why things happened or didn't happen uh, has been granted to us. And uh, as ever, like we finish all these shows, I want to give you a chance to have the last word on it. I mean, where do we sit? And maybe you might fall into your comments just as we finish. Uh, do you have, cause I know you, even if others don't, I know you're already thinking about January. Do you have an inkling that there's further business to be done for this season for Liverpool? So last comments then just about what we've talked about overall today and then maybe lead out of it with your uh, opinion as to whether there's more to be done uh, during the next little bit of business uh, opportunity. I've enjoyed it. It's almost been a fascinating summer for me, Trev, in the sense of because we've done them so regularly, and not just for the sake of it sometimes. We just had a little feeling that way when we were dragging ourselves out when Liverpool were doing nothing, you know, and looking at the world of football and other things. It's been go across the world of football, hasn't it, this summer? I mean, record spends through, you know, throughout the history of football. And we, we've enjoyed it. There's been drama. There's been things going on. Even There's even been drama when there's things not been going on, so to speak, as well. So I, I've really enjoyed these. January... You're not wrong. My mind's already ticking there. I fully suspect we'll be talking about things happening in January because, Trev, there's one non-homegrown space there. So don't be surprised if we're mentioning Andre come January time. Mo Salah talk will rumble on for obvious reasons. That that will be part of it anyway. And just because of the fact it may possibly be Jarrell Kwanzaa and Maureen for the canteen at centre-half by the time we get to January... I suspect we'll be talking about defensive issues as well or reinforcement. So, yeah, I, I'd bet good money. Bring on January, eh? <laughs> From the horse's mouth there. You've heard it, folks. We will be back for those January shows. Looking forward to them already. I won't lie to you. Uh, 
it's been a revelation for me this show I, I honestly did not think that it was a thing that I could ever get myself into I was famously aloof of it in the past and I've enjoyed nothing as much as being immersed in it this summer uh, thanks to Dave as always for presenting uh, as much information as possible from which we can then begin our speculation which is another part of the show that I hope you guys enjoy as well it's been a very uh rewarding experience over this course of the summer i can't wait for the sequel in january so like i say thanks to dave davis i've been trev danny this is the transfer show on anfield index and anfield index pro we'll be back with you in a short couple of months we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.